a very familiar passage of Scripture. Maybe one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. All the teenagers, all of us that grew up around Sunday school, we have heard about Daniel and the lion's den. Hey, I need somebody to help me. How about the little flannel boards? How many of y'all remember them? Yeah, y'all remember all that stuff? That was back before they had TVs, I, can't, I think. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, uh, we all remember those things and learning the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And uh, we'll look at that tonight in Daniel chapter number 6. Uh, this is actually the last chapter of uh, the... Uh, the last chapter of the historical part of Daniel. So Daniel chapters number 1 through 6 deal with in a historical perspective. And from here on out in the book of Daniel will be a prophetic, uh, 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 more uh, leaning towards a prophetic uh, prophecies and whatnot. But in Daniel chapter number 6, Daniel, how many of y'all pictured Daniel as a young man at this time? Anybody? Daniel was probably about 80 years old when he got thrown in the lion's den. I need somebody to help me right there. And uh, uh, I'm thinking that's just a, a, a bad situation. All right, let's start reading. We're reading verse number one. It ain't very many verses, and uh, it ain't too many. It has 28 verses. We'll read a little bit, and uh, as the Lord allows, and we will uh, uh, take our text and, uh, and, and preach, and we'll be done. The Bible says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit, was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So in the very first of this chapter, we're introduced, uh, not introduced, we already know Daniel by this time, but we have an understanding that Daniel is still being promoted. Daniel, when we first meet him, he's probably 12 years old in chapter number one, 12 to 17 years of age in chapter number one. Now he's an old man, and now he's in his 80s, and here he is having proved himself over and over to many kings, having proven himself in interpreting dreams, having proven himself as being a loyal subject. Now Daniel is being promoted by God, no doubt, in the kingdom, a new kingdom of the Medes and Persians and under the king of Darius, who was the king of the Medes. And so uh, uh, as this is developing here, we find out that somebody, and we know it to be God, but God is showing favor to Daniel. And because God is showing favor to Daniel, then the world is beginning to show favor to Daniel in the uh, instance of King Darius here. He sets him, or he thinks to set him over the entire realm. So basically, he's going to have his uh, kingship, and right under him 
would be Daniel. Now, the Bible's already told us that he had 120 princes and, and these uh, 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 presidents that he has set up. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, know this, there's some competition up under Daniel. Hey, some people that don't want to see Daniel succeed. Can I say this in life? There's some people that don't want to see you succeed. Uh, and they're not even going to benefit from your demise. That's the that's the scary thing. Is that so many people they have these uh, they have this uh, uh, this mindset that if you're out of the way or if somebody is out of the way, then they're going to be promoted, not realizing that God knows your heart, not realizing that uh, uh, the God who holds your breath in His hand knows your motives, knows your heart. And so he's not going to reward the wickedness. Is everybody all right? But it does not keep them from devising a plan. And that's exactly what they did. The Bible tells us in verse number four, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So they were looking into Daniel's life to find something wrong with Daniel. They were trying to see if they could find some way that they could accuse Daniel. Now listen here, if we were to do that to our politicians today, I need everybody to hear me right here. We wouldn't have to look very far. Matter of fact, you ain't even got to put me in Washington and I can tell you, near about every one of them's as crooked as they can be. I don't care who your favorite politician is, he's a crook. A liar. Is everybody all right? I don't care what side of the aisle he's on. He's a, he's a crook and a liar. But the Bible says they looked, for a fi- they looked for an occasion to find something wrong with Daniel and couldn't find one. I don't know about y'all, but I've signed me up. I, I'll vote for him. The Bible says, uh, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, let me just go ahead and clear the air. Let me go ahead and and speak to the elephant in the room. He was not a perfect man. He was not a sinless man. They were looking for something as far as the kingdom was concerned, and they found no error and no fault in him. All right. Now, let's continue reading. Verse number five, the Bible said, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Man, I need somebody to help me right here. I wish, I hope, I pray that the testimony of this Robbie is that we can't find any fault except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. But I'm just going to go ahead and let's do a reality check right here for everybody. That probably ain't us. As much as we'd like to declare it, as much as we'd like to try to convince the world of it, over and over again we've proven ourselves not to be as committed as Daniel is. Over and over again, as a country, as a nation, as a Christian nation, we have proven ourselves to be not nearly as committed or loyal or faithful to the cause of Christ. 
Don't get, hey, don't get all, don't get all convicted with me now. Y'all are all like, y'all are like under conviction or something. Y'all getting quiet on me, all right? The Bible says that these men searched for something to find wrong with him and the only place that they could find wrong, if they were going to get something against him, they were going to have to use God to do it. They were going to have to use something in the law of God against Daniel. The Bible says, uh, then these presidents and princes assembled together the, uh, uh, to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. They didn't want that joker to live forever. I need somebody to help me. Bunch of liars. All the presidents, verse number seven, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may or that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which altereth not wherefore king Darius signed the writing and the decree and so they came to king Darius and they told him they said hey we got a great idea of how we can unify the kingdom now, Darius at the end of chapter number 5 he, he comes in and he conquers Babylon and Belshazzar that I spoke of earlier in chapter number five. And so his kingdom is very new, if you will, but it's very different than Babylon. See, in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was the sole authority. Everything rose and fell on his word. He could say this and change his mind the next minute because he had total, I mean total control, all right, but with the Medes and the Persians, we were dealing with multiple kings. More than likely, the Persian king being Cyrus and, and Darius was just a king that served under him that was positioned in an area that he overseen where Babylon was. And therefore, he would have made Daniel someone that would answer to him for the uh, uh, affairs of Babylon, if you will. And so... They come to this King Darius and they said, hey, we want you to, we want to unify the kingdom. We want to bring everybody together. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to say that nobody can pray to another man or nobody can pray to God, to another God, except for you. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Now, we all sit right there and say, shake our head and say, man, that is crazy. Who would agree to that? But man, flattering words, don't act like y'all ain't like them. Don't act like it. you don't like it when somebody talks about how great you are and how good you are, how good of a singer you are and how good of a preacher you are and how good of a person you are, how good of a work. Is everybody all right? Amen. Oh, Darius liked to hear it. Boy, it was music to his ears. It sounded sweet as honey. And so he signed a decree. Now, he, he realized his wrong. Don't get me wrong. We'll, we'll read that here in a moment. But they, they came to him with flattering words and puffed up his pride, basically saying, you'll be God for the next 30 days. And he agreed to it. Now, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house 
found him a closet, closed the door, put some clothes on the door to, 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 to make sure nobody else could hear. And he got down in prayer silently when nobody, I need somebody to help me because that is how we do things. Man, I got to talking about this last night and I got to thinking about all the different ways that you and I hide in the closet when it comes to the cause of Christ. And we hear things like this, preacher, I can't take my Bible to work because it's not allowed at work, but you can talk about the devil there. I, I, can't, I can't have a conversation about my Jesus there. They won't allow us to have any conversation about religion there. But if there was a Muslim there, I need somebody to help me. They let him pull out his little prayer rag or whatever he got and get down on his knees and bow down to a God that cannot hear, a God that cannot see, and a God that cannot do anything. And they don't have any problem with that. The problem is not with your employer. The problem is a lot of us with our own heart. See, when Daniel heard that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Man, this thing jumped all over me too. Because as soon as a little persecution comes in our life, all of a sudden we want to run to the altar. But I want you to notice that when persecution came into his life, he didn't change his routine. It was just like he, he did the day before. He didn't add one more prayer. He didn't add 10 more prayers. He didn't come more earnestly this go around to the Lord. He prayed as he did aforetime. In other words, Daniel was not a man who was swayed by his circumstances. He was not a man that was tossed to and fro by every wave. He was not a man that was inconsistent in his walk. He was not a man that was inconsistent in his talk. He was somebody that did the same thing every day because God had proven to be exactly who he said he was going to be. And Daniel never had a doubt that God was going to take care of of him in this situation. For many of us, our prayer life goes to a new level when the devil shows up. Somebody help me. Boy, something happens in our house, car breakdown, something else. We all over the altar. That's after we get on Facebook and let the prayer requests be known. <laughs> we have a need. We can't pay for this, y'all. Pray for us. This is really what you're saying. Hey, I got a need, and if you feel like sending some money, send it on, and we'll give God all the credit for me manipulating you out of money. Amen. I'm having fun. Is everybody else having fun? I, man, that junk drives me nuts. Is everybody all right? Y'all pray for us. God wants us to have a new building, and we need y'all to pay for it. God will pay for it. Is everybody all right? We don't like that because that, what we're trying to do, what we do is we try to take matters into our own hands. But David, or Daniel didn't change anything. He did it just as he had before. That's right. He continued to serve God just as he had before. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter because I'm trying to preach in the middle of it and it's just getting too long right here. But if you understand and you know the chapter, what happens is Daniel 
He goes and he prays. He opens up his windows. He's praying toward Jerusalem. He does it just like he's always done it. They knew he was going to do it. They knew. They counted on his faithfulness. They counted on his commitment to find him guilty. And guilty they did. They went before Darius and they told Darius, Oh, this Daniel has broken the law that you signed into place. And Darius was, the Bible says, displeased with himself. He knew right away that he had made a mistake by signing that writing and signing that decree. But it was nothing he could do. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he worked diligently. Night, I mean all the way into the nighttime, he worked diligently to try to find a way to deliver Daniel from that lion's den. But he could not do it. Because he did not have total control. That's what I was talking about like Nebuchadnezzar did. He had to answer to somebody else. And so once he set the law, it could not be changed. Not even himself could change the law. And those people knew that. And so they came to him and they said, look here, king, you can try all you want to, but you cannot change the law. It is what it is. You signed it. You made a decree. And now it is time for you to fulfill the punishment. So they brought Daniel, and the Bible says that Darius put Daniel in the lion's den, and he told him, he said, hey, your God's able to deliver you. I don't know if Darius believed it or not, but I will say this, Daniel believed it. I don't know whether Darius knew what he was saying or whether he believed what he was saying, but I do know this, Daniel believed what he was saying. The Bible tells us that they put Daniel down into that pit, down into that den of lions, and the Bible says that they put a stone over it, and the king, he put a seal upon it that no man was to remove that stone. I, I, I was thinking about that thing today, and I wonder uh, if it was uh, uh, more for Daniel's protection than it was for Daniel, uh, uh, they was worried about Daniel escaping. I need somebody to hear me right here. Them lines, them lines were in greater danger than Daniel was down there. But the Bible tells us that the next morning, how about this? The Bible tells us that King Darius didn't sleep a wink. Yeah, the Bible says that his sleep left him, and uh, man, he was worried and pacing all night long, and he couldn't wait. Going out early the next morning, had the stone rolled away, and he called in, and he said, Oh, Daniel! Is your God able to deliver thee? Daniel said, O king, amen. <laughs> he said, O king, live forever. And then he said, my God was able to deliver me. He went on and he told him how he did so by an angel that shut the mouths of the lions and uh, uh, that, that kept him safe. I got to thinking about that thing as I was reading all of this, and I, I, I won't get to the end of the story until a few moments uh, from now, but I, I was thinking about this thing, and I was thinking that we all go through attacks. Man, when I was, uh, 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 man, as I was studying, more and more of these things started flooding my mind and memories and different things like that. But I can relate to Daniel. Now, let me stop right here. I've never been thrown in a lion's den. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Praise God. But I, I was telling my buddy about this sermon, and I was preaching it to him is what I normally do. I preach it to him. He gets the whole, he gets the sermon, and, and, uh, and, and we talk and everything through it. But anyhow, I was preaching it to him this morning, and uh, I was telling him, I was like, man, this thing, you know, I, God, uh, 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 God ain't never thrown me in a lion's den. He said, hold on. 
You don't know what God saved you from. I said, boy, ain't that the truth? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what God has saved me from. I don't know how many times God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. I don't know how many times God has uh, 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 given a red light. That should have been green. I need somebody to help me. I don't know how many times God has uh, put a delay in my life that kept me from harm. I don't know how many times God has put a detour in my life that kept me from danger. I don't know how many times that God has done that not only for me but for my family over and over again. So maybe we do relate with Daniel. As we look at this, I want you to notice four things and I'm done. The ruse of Satan, the ruse of Satan. Y'all can't spell it, it's R-U-S-E, all right? The ruse of Satan. Man, it's the deception, it's the tricks of Satan. As we look at this tonight, I want to say this. I want to say there's instruments, the instruments of his arsenal. When we look at the ruse of Satan, his tactic, his strategy, we see the instruments in his arsenal. How many of y'all has ever heard me say that? For, for, say this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now that ain't nothing new for me to say, all right? That's Bible, Ephesians chapter number 6, all right? But we know the verse, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But how many of you know this, that Satan oftentimes attacks us Using people. Amen. Right? Satan oftentimes, attack, though, though we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we must understand that there's something behind them that's causing this. But don't mistake this. Satan uses people to attack us. And so we see the instruments of his arsenal. In this case, it was the princes and the, prince, uh, 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 the pre uh, presidents and the governors and all these people of the land of Babylon. And their, their sole objective was to have more power than Daniel. Now listen to me, I need you to hear me. Because most times what involves you getting persecuted from somebody is they desire the position or the favor that is being shown to you and the only way that they can have it in their life is by eliminating you. And so he's behind it all, Satan's behind it all and using them as a puppet. But what their desire is, is to have the same favor that God is showing in your life on their life and Satan knows how to incite them into attacking you and I. He knows how to get them riled up and get them to come after you and I. You know the most dangerous thing in life is having somebody that's close to you that wants to be like you. Why? Because eventually they will turn on you. You hear me? Because they won't what you have. I'll never forget. Uh, uh, man, I had one guy, he told me one, this one time, me and him was in uh, uh, preacher college together, and uh, we were going through college together and all of this, and anyhow, he told me, he said, man, you're good at everything. He just got mad at me about him. I mean, I, 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 and I was. I, I mean, as far as I was, I'm not, I wasn't a master of anything. But I, I was a jack of all trades. Is everybody all right? There was a lot of things that I could do. Amen. And it, man, it caused all kind of problems and it caused all kind of jealousy. And then when I got promoted and, and become the, the youth pastor up there at Victory, you can imagine 
the storm that went through that place, a place where uh, 2,000 people are on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden the pastor is choosing somebody that's only been there three and a half years and putting him into a position on staff under him when everybody else in the world wanted it. Is everybody all right? If you're not careful, you, you'll find out that those same people that have your back, those same people that have their arm around you are the same ones that will attack you. The ruse of Satan. He's very deceptive. We see the instruments in his arsenal. We see the incitement of the applicants. We see the intent of his attacks. Satan means to destroy you. He meant to destroy Daniel. He didn't throw Daniel in the lion's den so Daniel could come out with a good story and a tore up leg. He didn't throw Daniel's in the he didn't throw Daniel in the lion's den so that he could come out all tore up by and a good story about how he survived the attack of the lion. He threw Daniel in there because he meant his intent was to absolutely destroy him. And I ain't talking about the people necessarily here. I'm talking about Satan. His intent is to devour you. How many of you remember this? First uh, uh, Peter chapter number five, verse number eight, that our adversary walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We all know the sayings, well, if he's roaring, ain't nothing in his mouth. But I need somebody to hear me right now. I don't want to be close to a roaring lion. We see the ruse of Satan. Number two, we see the routine of the sincere. I notice this, his character. His character was impeccable. That doesn't mean that he was perfect. But his, his, his character, he was without fault. I wonder if that could be said about me and you. Now before we start talking about we need to be delivered like Daniel was delivered, how many of us can say that we find that there would be no error, no fault found in us? Amen. I noticed his character. Not only I noticed his character, but I noticed his consistency. Daniel was a man of consistency, and because he was a man of consistency, the only fault that they could find in him was in his consistency in his faith. Could you be, would you be found guilty of being a Christian? I need, I'm done. I ain't even going to preach the last two. Because this is where it all boils down to for me when I was studying it. Could I be found guilty of being a Christian? They knew Daniel was going to pray. They knew he was going to pray three times a day. Brother Johnny, they knew. And no matter what they did, no matter what they brought in his life, no matter what circumstances, he was going to pray to God. What about you? Could you be found guilty because of your consistency in the faith? there was a law that was passed tomorrow brother, uh, brother, brother Johnny said I couldn't read my Bible could I be found guilty if there was a law that was passed today that says I couldn't pray would you be found guilty tomorrow if there was a law that was passed today that said I couldn't witness would you be found guilty Preacher, that'll never happen. If there was a law that said I couldn't go to church, 
because there was a virus going around. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. See, we, we, oh, that, that'll never happen in America. It'll never happen in America that they'll take, a, take the word of God from us. It'll never happen in America that they take prayer from us. It'll never happen in America that they won't allow us to say the name of Jesus. It'll never happen in America that we won't be able to witness for Jesus. It'll never happen in America where they'll tell us we can't go to church. But yet people were arrested for going to church. But the bigger question is, would you have been? Would I have been? Daniel was consistent no matter what the cost was. No matter what the consequences were. We tend to look at the Bible and we look at it in light of our knowledge. And what I mean by that is we know Daniel was delivered. We know that them boys that were thrown in that fiery furnace, they were delivered. The question is, did they know? Now you say, oh yeah, they knew. But if we go back to them three Hebrew boys, they said, they said, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, I'm still not going to bow down. I'm still not going to worship the golden image. I'm going to honor God, whether He delivers me or not. So many of us today that are distracted by the things of the world and we're living for the pleasures of the world and we're claiming Christianity and I'm proud of you. But the question tonight is, would you, would I be found guilty of being a Christian? scary to think that I would stand and raise my hands and say God thank you so much for giving your life for me here's my life I surrender to you but what if it's easy to say what we would do but is it the truth Amen. the Bible tells us all the way back in Daniel chapter number one that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Daniel purposed in his heart. I wonder tonight how many of us find a place around the altar tonight and purpose in our heart. And no matter what comes our way, I'm going to do what I know to do. 
I'm going to pray because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to read my Bible because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to witness to others because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be a good disciple because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to, I, no matter what comes my way, even if people around me don't like it, even if my job don't like it, even if those people in the, in the neighborhood don't like it, even if the people around uh, the church don't like it, I got a purpose in my heart. That if a law is passed tomorrow against Christianity, I'd be found guilty. Wouldn't take them a week to discover it either. Thankful that Daniel was delivered. I'm thankful that I got a story that I can woo shout about. But I wonder how many Christians got thrown in the lion's den. The angel didn't show up. They died for their faith. Simon Peter hung on a cross upside down. He wasn't delivered. James martyred. He wasn't delivered. That changed who God is. Not a bit. Does it change God's mercy? Not one bit. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray that as we go home tonight, we realize that there's going to be attacks. There's going to be those that will come against us. There's going to be those that would love to see our demise. God, I pray tonight that we purpose in our heart to be Christ-like. To do the things that we know to do. To live a life that's faithful and pleasing to you. Live a life that's committed to you. Live a life that's consistent for you. To live a life that our enemies could count on finding us guilty of being a Christian. God, help us to be the testimony that Daniel was. If Daniel could be a testimony in, a, in captivity to pagans and heathens, God, I reckon we can be a testimony in a nation that gives us the liberty to worship, the freedom to raise our hand, to go to church, to pray, to read God's Word, to worship you. God, help us to be as committed as Daniel is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.